0: Well, Psalm 103, it's just a glorious psalm and and it's the psalm with which we're drawing this current series to a close. And throughout this series, we've seen that the book of Psalms, it's a bit like a casebook, a a counselling casebook that has examples of someone wrestling with pretty much every condition of the human heart. And in these psalms, we see that the best way to process our emotions, and particularly those negative emotions that we feel, like fear and despair, depression, doubts, anxiety, loneliness. And and these are all emotions that many of us will have been experiencing in a heightened way during these very strange times that we're going through. We see that rather than just suppressing these feelings and, and pretending they're not there, or conversely venting your feelings to anyone who will listen, as if your feelings are sovereign, as if they're all that matters... We see that the better way is to pray your feelings, to pray them and to process them in the presence of God. And that's what we see in so many of these Psalms that we've been looking at. And then last week, when Sally spoke on Psalm 23, it was like we zoomed out a little bit from focusing in on on a particular emotion to focusing on the God who is with us, the good shepherd who is with us in every circumstance, including the darkest valleys. And now it's like we're zooming out again this week to finish the series, because this is a psalm, Psalm 103, that has no reference to enemies or to specific sins or to specific struggles. But this psalm, I think, shows us as a, as people of faith, as followers of Jesus, how we can handle life in general and how we are to approach life in all circumstances. Because this psalm is about praying the gospel And if you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe maybe you're just exploring matters of faith, then please continue to listen in to hear how the gospel can change your life. So David starts this psalm by saying, Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now, in English, we we read that as two different things. Praise the Lord and forget not his benefits. But the particular style of Hebrew writing that this is in means that actually they're the same thing. You praise the Lord by not forgetting his benefits. This is how you praise the Lord. And then most of the rest of the psalm is an explanation of those benefits. And so right up front, it seems that according to David, who wrote the psalm, the main problem that we have in life that leads to all sorts of other problems is that we forget what God has done. We forget God. And then the solution to that is to not forget or to actively remember what God has done. And actually, that is a theme that runs through the whole Bible. You you, you just... You just have to do a search on the word remember or not forget to see the importance of remembering in the Bible. So in the book of Deuteronomy, when Moses is talking to the Israelites, he's saying repeatedly over and over again. When you cross into the promised land, when you get there, remember, remember God, remember who it was who brought you out of Egypt, who sustained you in the wilderness. Remember who it is who goes ahead of you and makes a way for you. Remember God, do not forget. And then later when Joshua is leading Israel and he he leads them across the Jordan and he goes back into the Jordan and picks up these 12 stones and sets them up as a pile of stones, as a as a reminder, a kind of memorial. So that in the future, when your kids see this pile of stones and they ask you what it's all about, you can tell the story about how God took you across the Jordan. Remember God then in the New Testament, we're told to eat bread and drink wine. Why? To remember Jesus, in remembrance of Jesus and what he did. In 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter lists these qualities that you need to live for Jesus. So things like goodness and knowledge, self-control, perseverance, kindness, love. But then it says that if anyone does not have these qualities, then he is short sighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. We're told repeatedly the importance of remembering, the importance of not forgetting. But what we've got to understand is that this is talking about something that's much deeper than just mentally recalling something, you know, in in the way that we would use the word remember, like I remember what I did yesterday, or I remember who I met up with last week, just mentally calling something to mind. You know, this is not God just saying, hey, people, remember to count your blessings, no, it's a much deeper remembering that affects our very being and it affects the way we feel and, and the way that we act. Because we can very easily mentally recall something, um, like a holiday we went on or times at school or, or at work, but also not truly remember it because we've lost the immediacy and the power of the feelings associated with those things in that it's not it's not central to your consciousness anymore. It's not... It's not affecting your thinking or the way that you act. So for example, I wear a wedding ring as a sign of the covenant that I made with my wife. And I can look at my wedding ring and remember that I got married on the 17th of November 2001. Now that's mental recall. It it doesn't really change my thinking. It doesn't change the way I act. Or I can look at this wedding ring and I can really take time to start to remember what that day was like. And And what I was feeling at the time and that moment I turned around and I saw Suzanne, my beautiful bride, coming down the aisle towards me. And the promises that we made to each other and the joy of that day, the people who were there, the the sense of God's presence, his wonderful presence on that day. And now I'm remembering in a way that affects what I'm feeling and it affects my thinking and how I look at my wife and how I think of our marriage. Or another example would be that very recently we moved house. And a couple of weeks ago, we were sitting down together as a family with boxes all around us on our last night in the house that we, we lived in for 16 years. And, you know, we had our three children while we lived in that house. And we started to talk about some of our memories. So when we first moved there and when the children were were younger and particular moments that we had had as a, a family in that house, Christmases, birthdays, all those kinds of things. And that act of remembering, really, really remembering, it affected how we felt. You know, It brought a sense of sadness at, at leaving our home, but, but also a, a great sense of closeness as a family and how much God has blessed us because of all those happy, funny memories that we're not just calling to mind, but we were feeling as well. Although I have to say I did forget something quite important the other evening when I was just on autopilot and I ended up driving back to that house and, and I wondered Who's, whose car is this on my driveway uh, until I, I worked out what had happened. A number of times in the Bible, God says, I will remember your sins no more. Now that is clearly a remembering or a not remembering that is so much more profound than just mental recall. You know, God, God isn't saying... I, you know, I know you did something back in 1998. It was something really bad, but I, I can't for the life of me remember what it what it was. No, no, he's not doing that. Remembering here is not. It's, it's a lot more than just a fuzzy memory. He's chosen to remove your sins from you and to not view you or think about you in the light of your sins. So when the Bible talks about remembering, it is talking about something so profound that it it controls your consciousness, it shapes your worldview, it affects your behaviour and your outlook on life. So David is saying, forget not all his benefits, remember what God has done. So why do we need to do that? Why do we need to remember? Well, quite simply, because we forget. We forget God. Now, I don't know if you've ever noticed that as human beings, we have a tendency to forget the things that we really need to remember. And we remember the things that we really need to forget. Things that not only do you mentally recall, but actually the things that still grip you. Things that you wish you could forget, but you really can't. Something that still feels very immediate, even though it may have been years and years ago. So that might be, for example, negative words, cruel words that were spoken to you by by somebody you trust, or things that have been done to you, or maybe things you've done to others that that leave you with feelings of, of failure or guilt or shame and those negative feelings associated with a particular memory that is what sticks whereas that the, the hundreds of compliments and and positive things that have been said to you or done to you that provide evidence that counters those negative feelings they may have felt good at the time but those things have faded you know it tends to be the way that one cruel word one negative word can outweigh hundreds and hundreds of compliments and it's that negative memory that really engages and grips you and it's kind of like we have a we have a teflon heart when it comes to the good and we have very sticky hearts when it comes to the bad the the good things that should control our hearts the good things that we need to remember they tend to fade away very quickly and the terrible things are the things that stay and control us and affect how we think of ourselves why is that What's that about? Well, it's because there is something fundamentally wrong with our hearts, with our hearts and with our minds. Our hearts forget God and we forget his goodness and and his love. That's why God constantly tells the Israelites to remember, because he knows that they and we are prone to forget. And the root of that is sin. It all, boils, it all comes back to, to sin. Romans chapter 1 makes it very clear that the human heart wants to be its own master. That, that's what sin boils down to, pride and rebellion against God. And that's what we see right at the beginning of the story in the Garden of Eden. The human heart wants to do its own thing. And so it doesn't want to see the greatness of God and, and what we owe him because we don't want to owe God. We want to be, be great. We want to be in charge. But at the same time, we are made in the image of God and we are made to live in his presence. That's what we were designed for. That's where we find true fulfilment in the presence of God. And so we desperately need to remember him. So we live in this tension caused by sin. Romans 1 also tells us when we see the glory of creation, then you start to get a sense of the greatness and the glory of God so that no one has an excuse for saying that there is no God. Creation testifies that there is. Creation testifies that there is something way beyond us. But we want to forget God and go our own way and we desperately want Him and need Him at the same time. And that messes with our hearts. It, 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 it corrupts and twists our hearts in such a way that, that we forget the things that we really need to remember and we remember the things that we really need to forget. And so we need spiritual intervention. We, we, need, we need to connect with God. We need to remember God. Now, how do we do that? Well, just look at what David is, is doing in this psalm. He says, praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. You know, who's David talking to in this psalm? Who is he addressing? He's talking to himself. He's talking to his soul. hes It's like he's hes prodding himself and urging himself and stirring himself to praise the Lord. Remember what he's done. Come on, my soul. Come on, get, get switched on to this. I mean, it's a little bit like knowing that uh, going out for a walk, going for a 30-minute walk regularly, it, it's a good thing. It's going to be good for you because it gets you moving. It gets fresh air into your lungs, clears your head. But the reality is you don't always feel like going for a walk. And sometimes you have to say, no, come on, come on, get up off the sofa, get out of the door, because it's going to be better for you. Now, David knows what is better, but he also knows his propensity to forget and hold unbelief in his heart, no matter what he believes intellectually. And so David, what what David is doing here is he's preaching truth to his own heart. He is praying the truth into his own heart until it catches fire in the presence of God. Or as the 19th century evangelist George Muller said, the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day is to have my soul happy in the Lord. And so you've got to cause your soul to gaze upon him, to cause your soul to look at him by meditating on the truth in the presence of God. So let me give an example Of that. Last Sunday, as I said before, we were looking at Psalm 23. And actually, the material that's been provided for our young people is also on Psalm 23 at the moment. And so we go through that together as a family before the Sunday service. And one of the suggestions last week was to take 10 minutes to just sit quietly and ask God to speak. And so we did that. We all did that. We went to uh, different rooms, sat quietly, just just read psalm 23 and read it a few times to ourselves and just ask god to speak and it was it was it was wonderful it was it was it was like just in that very simple act of taking that time out only 10 minutes but taking that time out to meditate on on a bit of scripture no distractions no no phone no tv it was like all the the noise in my head it just stopped And it was a great moment of peace. And, you know, in reading that scripture from Psalm 23, it it fed my soul. It caused me to think of just, just how much God has provided for me, how blessed I am, and where my heart has moments of doubt about that. When I doubt God's provision, in that moment, I was able to say, no, God will provide. He does provide. He always has provided. He is the good shepherd. And so I lack nothing. And where my heart has has doubts and unbelief about whether God really, really loves me. Well, in that moment, I could tell myself, yeah, he really does. He really does love me. He's the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. His goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And, you know, I don't do that kind of thing often enough. Just take that time out to to meditate on the truth of Scripture. How often do you do that? How often do you make time to meditate on the truth of God and minister to your soul, talking to yourself, preaching to your own heart until the truth reaches the centre and takes root and bursts into flame? The famous Christian preacher, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he said, have you realised that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you're listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself. Now, you, you do need to listen to your heart. You do need to listen to your feelings, acknowledge the feelings that are there and not dismiss them. But then you really need to take hold of your heart and argue with your heart, with the truth in the presence of God until that truth takes hold. And, and this psalm, Psalm 103, it gives us loads of truth to meditate on, gospel truth, what, what God has done. So, for example, verses 11 and 12, they say this, As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I, I mean, that is mind-blowing. It's utterly mind-blowing. As high as the heavens are above the earth, that's infinite, As far as the east is from the west, that is infinite. His His love for us is infinite. It's infinitely great. It's infinitely vast. Our sins are infinitely gone. They They've been removed as far as they can be removed from us, along with all the guilt and the shame that goes along with them. You know, no wonder the gospel is good news. It is great news. It's amazing news. But does it get to your centre? Does it get into your inmost being so that it changes and shapes how you see yourself, how you see God, how you see the world, how you act? Because, you know, we can very easily say, yeah, I know God loves me. God loves me. But it doesn't change your heart. It's, it's not enough just to say God loves me. It's a bit too abstract. You know, if you say, I believe that God loves me, but actually you're still Afraid, you're still living in fear, or you're still bitter, or you're despondent, then that truth really needs to get down into the center of your being. And this is where I think it's essential that not only do we preach the truth to our own hearts, but that we also consider how this truth is true, how this truth has come to us, how the good news has come to us. It's essential that we consider the true story. Of what the love of God cost. So, verse 8 says that the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. And this is a direct parallel with what Moses heard God say on Mount Sinai in Exodus 34 the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. But there's also a key difference. Because in Exodus 34, God goes on to say that he will not leave the guilty unpunished. God will not leave the guilty unpunished. But then here in this psalm, it says he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. So which is it? Does he, does he not leave the guilty unpunished or does he not give us what we deserve? Do we believe Moses or do we believe David? Now, of course, we can believe both. Both are true, because in Isaiah, it says that we all, like sheep, have gone astray, and the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, he's laid on him the iniquity, the sin of us all. Our guilt is not left unpunished, but we also don't get what our sins deserve. Jesus gets everything that we deserve, so that we can get everything that he deserves. Just think of it like this. We try to forget God. We try to ignore him. We, we try and we want to go our own way. That's the inclination of the human heart. And what is the fair consequence of that? If you ignore somebody, if you forget them, then surely the fair consequence of that is that they also ignore you and they forget you. And as humans, we don't like to be ignored. We don't like to be treated as insignificant. You know, when, when, when somebody says something like, I, I didn't even notice you were gone... That kind of stings, doesn't it? It hurts us. Or when somebody who is significant to us, a a parent, a spouse, a a close friend, when, when they ignore us, that really hurts. Or maybe when that girl that you're trying to impress or the guy you're trying to impress completely blanks you as if you don't exist, that hurts. We don't like to be ignored. We don't like to be treated as insignificant. And so what if you are treated like a nobody, By the only person who is actually a somebody, by God himself, the only person who is truly significant. In fact, who is the source of all significance. Well, that is how the Christian writer C.S. Lewis defines hell. That's how he defines hell. He, he, He says hell really is to be eternally and permanently ignored and forgotten by the very source of life and significance that that would be the fair consequence, consequence, would it not, of us ignoring and forgetting God and going our own way. But what happened to Jesus on the cross? Jesus on the cross, he looks to heaven in utter anguish. At that moment that he's taking upon himself all the guilt and all the shame for our sin, he's carrying it so that we don't have to the only one who never, ever sinned, carrying the righteous and just punishment for our sin, he looks in anguish and agony to heaven and God turns his face away. In effect, God ignored him. He forgot him. In that moment, he was forgotten. Jesus was forgotten by the source of all significance and he was plunged into hell. He was plunged into spiritual torment and into darkness. Forget not that he was forgotten so that you and I will always eternally be remembered. In verse 17, it says from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children from everlasting to everlasting. And when you contrast that with the verses before, which say, as for man, his days are like grass. He he flourishes like a flower of the field, that the wind blows over it and it's gone and its place remembers it no more. That's what the life of man is like. It's It's fleeting, it's temporary, but... Next verse, from everlasting to everlasting, eternally, God remembers. He remembers you. He sees you. He loves you. Because we forgot him, we deserve to be forgotten. We deserve hell. But he was forgotten so that we can always, always be remembered. Do you realize the value that that puts on you? That is what will change your heart if you remember it, that you are seen and remembered by God, that you are significant to God and it cost him everything. You know, is he really going to do all of that and then forget you? All those things that your heart tries to, to deceive you in, your heart tries to tell you the unbelief that lies in your heart. You know, has God really forgiven me? Could he really forgive that? yes. Yes, he can. Yes, he does. Yes, he has forgiven you because he paid a great price for that. Does God really love me? Does he love somebody like me? He probably loves everybody else, but not me. No, 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 that's not true. He does love you. Of course he loves you. He gave everything, everything to have you. He gave everything to redeem you. Preach that truth to your heart. Preach it to your heart until it takes root and it catches fire. In the presence of God. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. Well, now we're gonna we're gonna do something a little bit different from what we've been doing in our online meetings. Because I'm, I'm gonna give you an opportunity now to, to meditate on the truth, just like I, I spoke about before. And so we're going to put a a couple of verses from Psalm 103 on the screen. Those verses that say as high as the heavens are above the earth, as far as the east is from the west. They're going to come on the screen and we're going to have five minutes, five whole minutes with uh, some quiet music in the background to just read the truth of those words, to read it again and again, to soak it in, to invite God to speak to us. And then after that, we'll enter into a song of worship after the five minutes, but do take these five minutes now to hear God speak to you, to just take those two very simple verses, but mind-blowing verses, to, to let God speak to you through those, to get it into your heart, to preach to your own heart. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you don't know these words to be true for you, they can be, they can be true for you today. So why don't you spend this time just talking to him, just pouring out your heart to him and inviting him to be in your life, to come in and lead your life, to to take charge in your life. So let's spend these five minutes now just soaking in the truth of God's word. And then we'll go into a song of worship after those five minutes. Bless you.